Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about customer perceived value and all of the aspects of producing, selling, building, pricing value for your customers. Uh, I am really excited today. I've got an old friend, uh, former colleague, Steve Hollingsworth. Steve, welcome. Thanks, Mark. I'm excited as well to be here. It's great to, great to see you and hear your voice. Yep. Steve and I worked together when we were both at the big uh, sales methodology shop, Miller Hyman. And I have a huge amount of of respect for Steve, what he does with his clients. Uh, Steve, since he left Miller Hyman, has kind of alternated going on his own, working as a a shared resource, working inside as a sales performance expert. Uh, for a variety of different big companies in a variety of different industries. So uh, I love the fact that Steve's got this broad experience with many industries. And uh, Steve, why don't you, rather than wait till the end, why don't you tell people how they can get a hold of you? And then we're going to start with with uh, maybe having you recount your journey. Sure. Love to, Mark. So uh, you know, my, my consulting firm is, is named Adi Mizzi. Right, and it's the uh, the Italian verb to optimize. Right, and what what we what we basically do is we work with our clients to help them optimize their revenue system. Right, so sales and marketing uh, systems that produce revenue, and uh, we've been doing this for about ten years now. Uh, as you said, you know, we 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 had a lot of shared experiences with Miller Hyman. Uh, Miller Hyman was often a, a part of uh, engagements with clients when there was a need for selling methodology and uh, sales training. And uh, I learned a, a ton being a, a part of that channel. Um, you know, it's funny, but I've, you know, I've got a, a turn 50 in a couple of weeks. And, and so I've got spent a lifetime in sales and marketing. And uh, you know, I had a pretty successful career as a salesperson and as a sales leader. Uh, but I've learned more from my clients in the last 10 years than I've taught my clients, right? So, you know, you pick up um, best practices uh, at different locations, and you're able to take that into your knowledge base and, and recreate it and, and share it out. Um, so uh, it's been a fun, been a fun ride. Uh, you know, the easiest way to reach me is uh, you can call me direct. My mobile is 301-501-6663, or you can email me at steve at o-t-t-i-m-i-z-z-i.com. Great, Steve. Thanks. So you're, you and I have talked um, a fair amount in the last couple of years about our mutual um, interest in understanding customer value. We all, whenever we would get together, everybody at Miller Hyman agreed that salespeople, the the worst part of the blue sheet, the part that every salesperson and every client ever created. Uh, the part that they didn't get was the customer outcomes, the part that salespeople do worst, and outcomes are the basis of value. So that blind spot in a lot of salespeople uh, is something that you and I are both passionate about. And you've, you've, you know, we've shared books back and forth and 
some of the, our discussions actually worked their way into the to thinking behind my book. So um, I'm really grateful for your, your presence in my life and career and experience. Likewise, I've learned a lot from you around how to articulate value. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think you know, we're, we're in the same tribe as it relates to value being the, the ultimate uh, you know, predictor of who wins, right? And, and you know, in, in, in the Miller-Hyman strategic selling methodology, you know, Bob Miller had this, this concept of win results for each buying influence and how they're different. And that's an expression of value. And, and uh, academically knowing that you need to understand that for each buying influence is one thing. Being able to actually do, uh, you know, the right interactions with buying influences to uncover that and then be able to quantify it and articulate it back to them is, is really where, as you said, most salespeople struggle and the really great craftsmen um, uh, shine, right? People that just yeah. do, you think of, you can think of the people you know and that I know that just do that super well and can do it at a leadership level. Um, you know, they're, they're making it rain for their companies. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I, I give the oversimplification that that win result is 10% of the real estate on the blue sheet. And I went through the timed agenda of the two day course and it's 10%, 10 point something percent of the timed agenda. So it, and it's 10% of the coaching. So it's 10% of the methodology, but it's 90% of what moves the customer decision. So yeah. it's little wonder that salespeople only think that it's 10% of what they have to do with a customer when it's really the most important 10% that does 90% of the work. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's where I would start. And, and, and I think your, you know, your, your book and your, your concept around value is spot on. Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's where I would, it's, it's the foundation. It's where I would start. I would, you know, if I were your, the sales leader in your organization, I would get with the product leader and, and the marketing leader and say, okay, let's sit down here and let it, let's map out where we create value for customers. And then let's organize our entire revenue generation engine around, you know, articulating that value to the marketplace, to the prospects, to the clients that we have. That, that's really gratifying to hear. And you're, you're right. But uh, I love the fact that recently you've been working with a lot of sales leaders and uh, you've shared some really great thoughts on what a great sales leader is like. So I'm, I'm big on, on culture, but it starts at the leader. And I'd love to hear, hear you share that with everybody. Yeah, you know, my, my you know, I've, I've, like you, I've, I've had clients of all, you know, Automizzi's had clients of all sizes, uh, from uh, 10 million to 50 billion in revenue, and um, it, and it's it, it, we we provide different value uh, to you know different forms to different clients for different reasons, but where where I have a soft spot and maybe what might be my sweet spot is in companies that are 25 million to 100 million in revenue, uh, that have a market opportunity. But they don't have the the the, the maturity uh, to uh, execute against that opportunity, and it could be because they're a new organization, uh, you know, and 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 they just haven't had enough you know seasoning to to get mature processes and systems. Uh, could be a you know a startup that had a that had a fast ramp, but um, you know, oftentimes those companies have a great product, they have a great market opportunity. They've got great leadership, and, and the leadership understands the value. <laughs> the, the engineer that built the software understands the value, and the CEO understands the value. Sometimes it's the same person, and they can articulate 
that vision to clients perfectly and they get sales. They get sales up to that 25 million mark, but they can't scale because they can't build a sales organization that can go out and do what they can do, right? Because they don't have the systems in place, the place to do that. And, uh, and, I, and so that's where I think, you know, just really taking a step back and I, and I've, I've worked a lot in that space. I work a lot with private equity owned companies that are in that stage of their development because you have, this ambition to grow, this um, resource to invest capital into that growth, and they get process, they get systems thinking. So, you know, just just taking a step back and saying, okay, like like what what makes a great sales leader? What, what do you, Mr. CEO, think a great sales leader is? And it's oftentimes a, a very there's a very big misconception there. You know, it's it's not a uh, it's not a founder that can sell the product. <laughs> it's not that engineer that, that built it. It's not that CEO. Um, th th those that executive presence and that EQ are, are certainly part of it, uh, and, and it's not the, the the glad handing relationship building, right? You know uh, what what makes for a great sales leader is really somebody who is a systems thinker, right? That they get that they're in charge of the revenue system, right? And and you think about a system or or a manufacturing process at every stage of the system, there's value added in our manufacturing step and what we do. And then there's inputs and outputs, there's waste, you know, there's conversion. And so from the marketplace to a paying customer, you've got a series of processes that you've got to, you've got to get good at. And, and, and your job as the sales leader is to build that system, right, and have visibility into those processes. You've actually showed me uh, one of your diagnostic tools that you like to use at the beginning uh, of an engagement as kind of the, the, the almost the intake form uh, to say, where are the big holes in a given client's uh, revenue generating system? And uh, really impressive. If you could just kind of give the high level description of, of what, that, what that diagnostic looks like when you engage with a client. Yeah, yeah, and I've been the benefactor of some, some really, really masterminds uh, in this area uh, in the last few years. and. Um, that have helped me kind of uh, synthesize my thinking around this. But really, uh, you know, any, to, to understand a, a system or to be able to have visibility into it, you first have to be able to define it. So what I've, what I've done is um, taken a go-to-market, built a go-to-market framework, right, that has, that has all the generic components of that revenue engine, right, from, you know, on the, uh, if you think about it going left to right across the, the, the page, you know, do, do we understand our, our markets? You know, can we identify and segment, you know, kind of our, our, our target market and our ideal customers? Right? And then do we have a good strategy around going out and capturing that market, right? Do we, do we have a revenue model? Do we have a coverage model? Do we have pricing, right? Do we have a digital strategy? Uh, are we budgeted appropriately? And then, and, then, and then the question is, okay, so now we know there's a market we know how to go after the market. Are we organized well to go, to go capture that market activity? Do we have the right people, the right talent, you know, in place, the right you know, number of people in the right roles? Do we understand how to build the marketing organization, what we're going to be good at competently internally and where we need to rely on agencies? And then, so now we got our org design, we go to the next step and we say, okay, well, well do we have the right processes in place? And this is a lot of those sub sub processes in that revenue engine. Do we know how to prospect? Do we know how to, to create opportunities? Do we know how to manage opportunities? Do we know how to manage relationships? Do we know how to manage channel partners? Right. And then, and then we go into okay messaging. 
right? Do we understand our value proposition into your, your body of work around how do we create customer value? How do we articulate customer value, right? And then, and then, and then we talk about enablement. So if we understand how we create value, then how do we then arm our salespeople with that message, with that, with that, with the tools necessary to go out there and talk value to customers. And then how do we, how do we, through a, a, an effective content strategy, go speak to the marketplace with all the marketing tools that we could create, right? And then there's the, then there's the revenue operations piece. Do we have the right sales and marketing technology stack in place? Do our systems talk to each other? Do we have good clean data? Do we have visibility into all these processes? What's happening? The throughput? The waste? so that we can then, you know, dig in and, and, and operate in the continuous improvement methodology. So, so that's, you know, at a very high level, that's what the framework looks like. There's, you know, there's, there's tons of subcomponents, but look, looking at that framework and then going in up front with the leadership team of an organization and saying, okay, let's, let's benchmark where we are. How mature are our processes? How capable of our people and what tools exist? Yeah. And that's a starting point. No, I, I really love that. And um, that puts a huge amount of detail over and above what you know you and I did at Noah Hyman. And, and my body of work uh, wants to bookend that to saying, rather than understanding your generic system and optimizing it, let's understand your offer, your product, your value, your differentiation, and how does how do we optimize that process for our differentiation, because um, I, I actually made one video that says, at, at one level, if you just have a great process and customers who have self-informed without you and are asking for some generic set of requirements of the market um, and find three salespeople who seem to be selling the exact same product because the salespeople are responding to that self-defined set of needs, right? So everybody's selling yeah. the exact same thing. None of them went beyond that. Um, if it, the, at some level, the best methodology wins, right? If you're all selling the exact same thing because none of you were creative enough to sell your differentiation, the selling organization with the best methodology that mirrors the buying process has the advantage. But boy, that's really leaving a lot of value on the table. Because if you have a differentiation and you know, hey, for my differentiation, the 6.8 people that were defined, that the customer defined for themselves in this buying process really needs to be 8.2 people. And here's the two people yeah. that are going to appreciate my differentiation. So it's not changing the methodology. It's saying, hey, the methodology says to get the buying team, but our differentiation says we have to increase the size of the buying team, talk about these wins and results. And so neither of them are able to exist without the other, but neither of them are successful without the other either. Yeah, I completely agree. And like I said, I, I would start with, with value, right? So that, that the answer to what value are we creating informs all the development of all those things. It defines our market, Yep. defines our strategy, defines our pricing. We'll build our organization around uh, accessing, you know, the, the, you know, that ideal customer profile. We'll build our processes around supporting and articulating that value. We'll build our content and messaging yeah. around it. So, so, so that's what I say. That you you have to start with value. And your your work on value value creation and, and identification 
is foundational to, to, to inform the system. Yeah, I didn't want to um, hint in any way that you don't do that because you and I are like brothers from another mother when we understand value and differentiation. Um, you're a master at that. So, but, so I wasn't raising that issue to say you don't, but I'm raising that issue to say, hey, it isn't just about having a system. It's about oh, understanding what, how to optimize that system and how to implement that system with your value. Yeah, it, it, and that's why I say it goes back to the systems thinking, right? So it's not just around, you know, uh, I mean, every, every manufacturing, you, you visit, visit a, a manufacturer, every line is different. Every line is different. And they'll all tell you, well, you know, our line's different. You know, I, we, we, make a, we make a different widget here. It's, it, it's very different. And it takes, you know, just tons of tribal knowledge to, understand how we make this widget this way. So, so uh, it's applying those, th that systems thinking to your custom process that matters. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I've been on this tear myself. And so I'm, I'm going to insert this week's rant with me is the, the companies that didn't meet expectations. Um, my opinion is that it's about having that customer value focused culture where everybody in the company understands this is what the customer gets out of this and our differentiation gets this additional outcome for the customer the companies that don't understand and do value well that's the real difference it's that it's a it's a cultural thing cultural doesn't do it all you know cult, culture in the absence of system does very little System in the absence of culture does very little, but, um, and same thing with coaching. Coaching is, has got to be a leg of the stool, but it is not the stool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's, there's a number of um, potential failure points. And when you're trying to drive change through an organization and um, culture matters every time, uh, you know, and, and, and so, Understanding, do we have a culture here that, um, that 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 will enable the changes we're trying to drive? Right. So, customer value, absolutely. Do we have a do we have a, a culture of, of low ego, <laughs> where where data matters more than opinion? Um, you know, do do we have a do we have a you know, do we embrace change? Right. Do do you know do we do do you know do we uh, re reward um, not just success, but do we reward the right effort, right? And, and, and you know, so, so there's a lot of things I think that go into culture, um, including the, the, the value component that, that matter. And, and, you know, when I look at my, the most sex, successful engagements that I was a part of, you know, there was, a, um, there, there was an intentional effort by leadership to uh, coordinate and do the right things to drive change. Right. And um, so, so often part of those engagements would be, you know, a cultural adoption component where we would get in the room with leadership and say, okay, so let's, you know, you pick your, your change management methodology, let's say Cotter, you know, and it's a leading change. You know, here's the, here's the eight failure points uh, that, you know, in, in, that, you know, that, 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 that prevent change from happening. Are we under communicating? Do we have a shared vision? You know, are we declaring victory too early? You know, are we are we rewarding uh, rewarding the right behaviors? You know, all, all those things that matter as you're trying to drive change and, and being intentional about that change management. It, 
if, if you have that in your leadership team, uh, then, then you're way more likely to be successful than if you're, you know, a, a, our, our, we have a we have a feeling that our, our salespeople are suboptimal, so we're going to uh, throw some money at it with training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've decided I want to really want to avoid taking those kind of clients' money. I, I don't need the money bad enough. Yeah, that's that's that, that's wonderful, and I feel the same way. Um, everyone should, should should conduct themselves that way. I, I can't remember who said it now. I, I think it was Sam Reese, but I, uh, but something struck me, you know, kind of when we were in that Miller Hyman universe, and uh, it, it, you know, and and, and and he said, you know, I, we got to do the right things by clients because you know I, I never want to have to hide from a client because you know, I sold them something that didn't work or that they didn't need. So one of the pillars of my my brand and the culture at Mizzy is, you know, we we're, we have the courage to to tell the kind truth, right? So if if what you're if you want to write me a check, and you prescribe the solution that you believe your company needs, if I if, if I if we're not in alignment, if I don't agree, I'm going to tell you, and I'm not going to take your check. Good for you. It's great to it's great to be associated with the people like you that genuinely want to do that with and with and for a customer. You know, consultants get a bad rap, and it's and it's uh, and it's well deserved, right? So, yeah. so uh, you know, you look at the uh, I think you know we're we're probably one rung above Congress in terms of uh, you know our <laughs> trustability. So, uh, but yet there's a lot of consultants out there. So it, you know, part of what I you know what I wanted to be is a is, is a good example of of my profession. Good for you. What what did we miss that you want to share? Well, you know, I, I think I'd love to talk a little bit more about value and just you know some of the the ways that you know using your concepts could uh, you know just just inform the right behaviors. You know, and it, and it can be as simple as uh, you know the creation of an ROI calculator. And a lot of people get this wrong. Everybody wants one. A lot of people get it wrong. But you know, you know, to me, it's a great, it's a great kind of a bite-sized piece of of the value conversation that that, that you could get started with and, and initiate a spark with folks. Because uh, if we start thinking about, okay, well, you know, what are the value levers? How do we quantify those for a said client? And then how do we create a formula for value that that then we can talk about in our marketing that our salespeople can start. Uh, listening for in their discovery right and it isn't about the calculator it's about understanding the levers of value and then being able to have that value conversation but the calculator can be an effective tool to uh surface that value and then train folks on what to listen for and how to go get that information well you you hit the nail on the head and i'll i'll see your value calculator and go one more and that is i think a value calculator is the idea of a value calculator is a yellow light. It could be a super useful tool or it can be a tar pit. Have you yeah. ever been in a sale where you lobbed a, 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 or, or the salespeople lobbed a value calculator and immediately the conversation descended into the battle of the assumptions? So you, yeah. weren't, talk, you weren't talking about value anymore, you're talking about the spreadsheet. If, if you, or you use the value calculator, as the way to talk about the value levers and 
I'm pretty adamant about getting the customer to quantify value in their world because no number is going to be believable until the customer validates it themselves. So a low number that the customer has validated often is good enough to get you the sale and no point in arguing about, you know, and arguing about it. Yeah. The, the calculator is an internal tool to help you draw, to have the right value conversation. Right. So I think about, um, a company that I worked with recently that um, does, uh, you know, they have a software that supports commercial lending and, and fintech, and they work with a lot of banks. And you know, we 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 went about, you know, trying to, to really discover what the core value was that they were creating for clients to inform their content strategy and their marketing. And 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 one of the outputs of that was a value calculator for the sales team. And it was never intended to be something that they emailed a client said, here, fill this out, right? Or, or, or that they showed them. But it was around understanding, um, you know, how many portfolio managers exist in your, in your bank? And, and, and how many loans do you have under management? So what's your portfolio manager to loan ratio? And, um, you know, and, and, and so like, you know, you know, what's a portfolio manager cost? And if we could, you know, have a, a portfolio manager, um, uh, effectively manage a portfolio three times the size and actually even manage it more efficiently, that's got some real value, right? We have, you know, we, we, we could, we could triple our loans without having any headcount. Um, and then, and then, you know, Hey, what would be, you know, if you're a community bank and you're, you know, your doors closed at 30 in the afternoon, uh, what if somebody wants to put an application in after hours, where do they go? Well, they go to online. Well, how many, how, how much business do you think you lose to online because you're, you know, you're, you're not open 24 seven. Well, what if part of our solution was, you know, uh, you know, allowing your bank to take applications at any hour that a, that a commercial customer, you know, after they get off work, uh, would like to, would like to, to put one in, how many more loans would we get? And, and just, and so it's just understanding those value levers and being able to have an intelligent conversation with the buying influencers, but then they'll go back and fill in the blanks. And now we can start talking about, okay, so you said this, you, you know, and, and we all agree on this, these assumptions. So, hey, great news. We think we can really help you. We think we can create a lot of value for you based on this, you know, the assumptions we all aligned on here. Right? <laughs> yeah, and all of a sudden I feel bad about my pricing. I think it's way too low because look at yeah, all this yeah, value, right? Well, exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, and, it's, and, and really it's just around, another thing around just understanding value is, just having a little bit of a backbone and being able to defend your pricing because yeah. you know, you know, somebody wants to commoditize you and put you in a box where you're not, well, listen, listen, it's, it's not about what it costs me to make this software. It's about the value it brings to your organization. Yeah. And, you know, and if you don't see the value, it, it, it doesn't, you know, that, that 20 X return doesn't appeal to you. That's okay. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll go sell value somewhere else. Yeah. I, I talk about being discount proof. Right. Yeah. Um, you're selling. It looks like you got the deal. The competitor drops their price by X percent, and yeah. now you've got the choice of do you should you drop your price? But if you've got enough value already, you can just say, well, you know, this 10x value just sunk to nine yeah. because the competitor discounted. Are you still good with nine? Yeah. And you didn't have to discount. But if you have to have had that conversation before the competitor discounted. Yeah. And then here's the other, the other thing that having understanding value really um, uh, surfaces. Do you have any differentiation? 
do you have any value? You know, do you have, do you have something that's marketable? Uh, and, you know, and then, you know, and, and that should inform your product development life cycle. Hey, hey, oh, wouldn't you, yeah. you know, we, we've got to create some differentiation because, you know, there, there are, you know, the, the value levers that we create for customers are available through competitors, through like solutions at a lower price. So therefore, you know, we are not, you know, we are not priced right in the market. Even though we can create value, others can create the same value for less. We've got to figure out how to differentiate. Yeah. So, so that that value conversation has got to drive your 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 product roadmap as well. Where where is where is this part of the market where uh, you know where's the unmet need that we can that we can uh, you know uh, engineer in that will that will open up a value lever for us. You know, there are some really super useful but brutal internal conversations because your yeah. value is your value. And your value is the competitor's price plus your differentiation minus their differentiation. And that's the value. And if your value is greater than your price, wonderful. But if your value is less than your price, you can quantify that and say, hey, we've got to fix this. And it's not that your salespeople are whiny salespeople. It's a legitimately, you can have an objective conversation if you've walked through that and you can objectively measure the customer's value based on the differentiation that all the parties have, um, you then have an objective internal conversation and and they can be brutal. Um, But having, I, I talk to a lot of CFOs about being a business partner in the price exception system. What is your price exception granting system? What is your process yeah. for getting discounts? Who's involved? Do you, is it, and who gets all the discount? Is it the best, is it the whiniest salesperson? Is it the sales manager who used to be the whiniest salesperson who is now a sales manager and who gets to, you know, be best at gaming the system for his entire team, his or her entire team? Is it a certain customer? Is it a certain product that isn't competitive? And if you don't have an objective way of measuring value, you never know. And that's, and when you consider that every one of those discount dollars wasn't just a revenue dollar, it was a profit dollar. That's a, that's a big area where you've got profit bleeding out of your company. Yeah. It's, you know, it's why, it's why the the private equity guys, you know, who are super smart (laughs) um, on, you know, one of the first things they do in their playbook is go in and raise price. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you know, it just, it just, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no easier play in the playbook to increase EBITDA than the ratio price. Mark, when you uncover uh, the, you know, the, 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 the holes in that process with the CFO, we'll talk about improving their CPQ process. We'll talk about improving their deal desk process. Make sure they got the right tools and yeah. that the people are uh, capable and mature enough to run them. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all about helping them understand the metrics and who's getting the discount. And now what are we going to do about it? How do sales teams measure value? And so that, you know, usually that first layer of discount that is completely at the salesperson's discretion before they even go to a sales manager. And that's, that's invisible discounting dollars. And then there's, you know, the, the, the second tier that just your sales manager has. And that, that's before it goes to a deals desk. There's a whole bunch of discounting that can happen, a whole lot of profit bleed that can happen before it even gets the deal desk. And so 
Um, you, you're right, you need a system, but it all has to start with saying, what's the customer value? What, yeah. what do they think the value is? And why didn't we talk about this part, this value lever? Right on. You want a discount? Agree more. You want a discount without ever having talked about this big lever? Tell me, yeah, tell me why that happened or why that didn't happen. Yep. So, so true. Yeah. All right, man. Hey, uh, Steve, go ahead and give your contact in information one more time, uh, just in case people missed it at the beginning. Yeah, it's Steve at Adimizzi.com, and it's uh, 301-501-6663. Mark, it was great fun talking to you, my friend. Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, always a pleasure. I love being able to spend some time and uh, look forward to our being able to do some, some fun things together. You're selling on only your features You're gonna drive over you insane And if you ignore your customers' outcomes You're bound to be paying your dues Cause you'll be singing those old Don't know value This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.